RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. It's Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. It must be Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Yes, it is Mission Log Live, the show where you, our Star Trek pals, join us, your Star Trek pals, to talk about a crazy thing we call Trek. Tonight, we're pleased to welcome back a friend of this show, Dayton Ward. You know him as the author of many, many Star Trek books. And yes, you know him for all the funny memes on Facebook. But did you know that Dayton has a new gig with CBS? Kind of a dream gig, actually. And he'll be here to talk about that, plus give away all the secrets of what's coming up in the world of Star Trek over the next five years. Oh, I'm pulling. <clears throat> you can join us, by the way, ask Dayton your own questions. Uh, a number of ways to do that. You can click on the Zoom meeting link, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or you can call us 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call 669-900-6833. Then you punch in the meeting code. Uh, those are the numbers that are on the screen right now. Then you get to talk to Earl, and then you get slash have to talk to us. Hey, I uh, just wanted to say that I checked in on the stream. Everything looks good. I know we had uh, kind of a rocky show last week, but everything looks good. And, uh, of course, I'm going to say hi to the people who are joining us live. There's Kristen. There's George. Evan says, I haven't been able to watch a live episode in what feels like months. I finally get to participate. Hi, all. Hi, back to you, Evan. Uh, we got Chuck. Uh, we were just talking about Chuck today as we were recording the regular mission log, Ken. So there's Chuck, uh, as if by de- divine providence, he's there. Oh, wait, sure. wait, that Chuck. That Chuck, yeah. Oh, I didn't that, realize. I'll have yeah. to go back and re-record the show. <laughs> How many Chucks do you have in your life? We got uh, we got Jonathan, we got Dave, we got Paul, we got Alan. Uh, he says, don't start without me. We didn't. We just started, Alan, just as I said hello. Uh, there's George. There's CJ. CJ says, we listened to Shabam in the car today, and my kids loved it. Awesome, CJ. We will pass that along for sure. Uh, there's John Cooley. Cooley. Uh, there's Kim. There's, uh, there's Dave. There's it's just everybody. It's so many people and they're all there saying hello to us. Um, and actually Justin saying excited to also be here for the first time. So we have some first time mission log live viewers slash listeners tonight. So hi. Good to see you all. Welcome to the show. There's Scott Palm. We're going to, of course, say hi to Scott a little bit later in the show. But uh, but welcome. And what a treat for you, because we'll be talking to Dayton Ward in just a moment. And as Ken said, uh, Dayton's going to give away all the secrets. All the secrets. Yes, he's got them all right here. One every five minutes. So be sure and stay locked in. Yeah. Uh, we do want to thank you all for checking us out here live on Facebook or if you're catching the video later at YouTube.com slash Roddenberry Prod. That is also cool. What's especially cool to me as an audio guy is if you're listening to the audio thing, because if you're watching on video, you know, I look kind of knackered. If you're listening, though, I look fantastic. However, it is you're finding our show. Uh, we're really glad you did. The one thing that we would ask wherever you have found the show, uh, please click like, please click share, because um, yeah, the more people like things, the more they're likely to tune in and the more people share to say, hey, you should tune in. Well, again, the more people tune in and uh you know, then we're off to the races. And of course, we got stuff coming up. Now, we're going to tell you more about the Roddenberry Podcast Network a little bit later. We already gave a shout out to Shabam. But here's something cool that you can do with us in VR. Now, you've heard us talk about Sansar before. S-A-N-S-A-R dot com. That's where you can go and sign up for a free account. Now, if you've got VR goggles, 
great. You get to experience those worlds in 3D. If you don't, that's fine. You can be on your Windows desktop running at least Windows 7 or later. And uh, that is a whole atlas of virtual worlds for you to explore. Now, Roddenberry has several spaces there. There's the Roddenberry Nexus. Uh, there's the museum. There's the theater. There's the bridge of the Enterprise. And in the theater, we're doing a screening this Thursday night. That's August 22nd of White Room. Now, what is right White Room? You might be asking yourself, well, right White Room, man, I'm just, I'm not going to get through this at all tonight. No, it's, no, it's, it's quite all right. It's quite, I actually know this one. So if you want to take a minute, untie your you know, right, You know, right room or I white know, room? Yes. A white room is yes. actually a 360. It's not really 360 because you look up, you look down, but it goes all the way around you. So kind 180. of 360. Yeah. Well, 180 would only be from, oh, anyway. right. yeah, yeah, from there to yeah. there. Uh, so, so you stand in the middle of this room was the idea behind white room and uh you and somebody's talking but you know the person you're looking at is not saying anything that's because if you turn around well there's the person who's talking you're in this you know completely immersive thing now what's weird is the first time i saw white room i want to say was in 2011 2012 i can't remember which right around when it came out and and Tori Mel, one of the guys behind it, was showing it to me on his iPhone. So there it was, like, you know, 3.5 inches of spin it around glory, right? And you look over there and there's a thing, you turn it back another way. And, uh, and it's really kind of hard to stand there for like 10 minutes doing that and trying to figure out where everybody is. So we've got this VR thing. And I said, hey, don't you guys have this movie where you just turn your head and you see and turn your head and you see and there's stuff behind you and all that. And they said, yes. And months later, we finally found a way to show it to you. So uh, we've done it one time. Uh, we were supposed to have uh, the director on. Unfortunately, he uh, had a little bit of technical difficulty. Story of my life, Adrian. Mm -hmm. um, he had a little bit of technical difficulty, uh, but he was still sort of there. Uh, this week, we're showing it again, and we've got one of the actors, uh, one of the actors from the White Room, on. Yes. So we have David Blue coming to join. He plays six. He plays, there's at least six people in the movie, Ken. He plays six. He plays so, one. Well, no, he plays one because there might be some confusion. He doesn't play six of the people in the movie. He plays no. the person six. Of all the individuals uh, totaling at least six. Uh, yes, he, he is one of them. He is one of them. He happens to be six. So that's who you will meet in VR <laughs> on Thursday night. David will be there to talk about the experience of making the film. But again, uh, go see it because it's amazing to actually get sort of sucked up into the roof of the Roddenberry Theater and see this uh, 360 dome experience. Uh, it, it is a truly remarkable way to watch that movie. So join us there. As I said before, go to sansar.com, S-A-N-S-A-R.com to sign up for your free account. And uh, we will see you there Thursday night. Hey, Ken, how about a poll question? You want to? Yeah, well, we can talk about last week's poll question. Then we can talk about this week's poll question. Sure. Uh, last week, how will the new CBS Paramount merger go is the question. How will it go? Your two choices were great and not great. 73% of the people said it's great. 27% said not so great. As always, I'm curious why the people who think not so great think not so great. I kind of wonder, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, this week, John, do you want to read this week's poll question or do I? Yeah, this week. Uh, so why didn't you come up with a poll question this week? 
Yeah, right. And the two <laughs> answers are. I'm just, I'm just staring at you, and you're just staring at me. We're both staring at Earl. And right. uh, yeah, there are two questions. Now, legitimately, the three of us are the only ones who should have selected the first one, which is I was busy. Right. <laughs> yes, because your two options. Uh, so why didn't you come up with a poll question this week? I was busy and it's not my job. So those are the yeah. two. And uh, feel free, please, to go there. And that poll, believe it or not, is going to be up all week. long. <laughs> so it just, that's what happens until next week. Yeah. Yeah. When you don't plan ahead. And the, the next week's question, I'll go ahead and spoil it for you, is going to yeah. be seriously again with no poll question. <laughs> just a yes or no. And uh, and pretty much this is how the poll is going to go uh, until the end of days. Yeah. So we might as well jump right to it. We're very pleased to have uh, a guest with us tonight who has uh, been on the show before. And he is coming, as always, from an undisclosed location. It's so top secret. We can't even show you what it looks like where he is. We can't even just show you the bare room where he is uh, uh, because he he's under protection for some reason. Actually, we can get into that in a minute. I think it has to do with the new job. But we're going to welcome back Star Trek novelist Dayton Ward, who is not only going to talk about the latest and what he has been writing in the Trek world, but the latest that he's been doing in the Trek world, because uh, he's a big fancy pants corporate guy now. So welcome to the show, Dayton Ward. I know we can't see you, but hopefully we can hear you. You can't see me, and I have to keep my voice low because I'm currently sitting in Alex Kurtzman's wine cellar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the nice. nice. Nicely done. Uh, so rumor confirmed he does have a wine cellar. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, this is working out great for us so far. Please continue, Mr. Champion. I can't <laughs> wait for the YouTube video about that. <laughs> now, Dayton, I, I want to go to, of course, where people know you and uh, not just the Internet memes, but I want to go to where people know you as a, a writer of Star Trek books, the most recent being Available Light, a TNG era novel. That, I'm correct, right? That is the most recent that has come out. That is correct. Okay. TNG set us up. I know that uh, Ken's just going to wince as soon as I say this. Section 31. I'm okay with it, though, because cleaning up Section 31 is what I heard. But, uh, yeah, go ahead, okay. and, uh, go ahead and give people a little bit more of an idea of what it is right now, Dayton. You're right, Ken. That's basically what the fallout of uh, Section 31 and its nefarious activities being exposed what happened is this book picks up the action from another novel that was written by my friend and fellow writer, David Mack. It was called Control, and the thrust of that book was an expose, basically a reporter, an investigative journalist, unearthed and laid out into the light all the crazy stuff that Section 31 has been doing for two centuries. Oh, well, so, so there you go, Ken. That, yeah. that should make you very happy. Yeah, it sounds like it does. And uh, part of that is Picard was caught up in a scandal that happened many years earlier. Uh, in fact, it happened in another set of novels that Mr. Mack wrote, um, where he was involved in the illegal removal of the Federation president. The circumstances were warranted, but still, it's a coup. <laughs> okay. All right. and then, uh, so what happens is my book, I got the job of picking up a little bit of that mess. And so I basically set the stage and then pass the baton off to uh, Mr. Mack, who will clean up his mess ultimately later on this year with a book that's coming out called Collateral Damage. Now, I, I want to ask you something here, because I, I, 
The Star Trek novels very clearly are considered something different from Star Trek on film. And and believe I, I will say the C word at some point during the show. <laughs> uh, I will cool. just because, yeah, just because, look, it, it amuses the hell out of me, as I know it amuses the hell out of you. But um, the, the approach of the Star Trek novels is that you, as you just said, you'll kind of continue a storyline to clean up a mess. Um, but what you're doing is separate from what is filmed for TV and film. But at the same time, do you look at something like that and you go, you know what, we, we just, we, we got to fix this whole section 31 thing. Is there a little bit of a hope that like by doing that? Okay. Are, are you sending, are you secretly sending a message here to the writers, producers, of Star Trek TV saying like, this is a mess that we are cleaning up or are you just saying like, look, we're taking this to the logical conclusion. It ends here. I mean, you have no, you have no influence. I know, but are you kind of, you're sort of doing, it sounds to me like, well, if I were to write this or rewrite this, here's where I would end up, even though nobody asked me for a script. Well, uh, if I understand your question mm-hmm. correctly, we are, what we're doing is we've been spinning these, these stories now for many years post next gen movies, post DS nine, post Voyager. So the books have been able to take the characters in different directions that we would never have been allowed to do while those shows were in production. So they've let us off the leash to a certain extent. Um, and so we were able to spin all kinds of crazy stories that included section 31 and the Borg and you name it. And we probably did something with it. Um, the storyline that we're dealing with right now, this is something that's been unfolding a little bit here, a little bit there over the course of many years. Like I said, Dave actually set the event in motion that we ultimately revisit back in 2004 with a pair of novels that he wrote. And then last year it was 2000, well, it was 2017 when his book control came out that, that blew open the whole section 31 mystery. And uh, so I just now was able to get back to it and pick up that storyline with the book that came out earlier this year. So we've been independent of the shows. We, our section 31 shenanigans are different than the section 31 shenanigans you've been seeing. Like for example, on Star Trek discovery. Let me ask a question. And this is a question. uh, Well, first I want to ask the question to Dayton Ward, the author. And then I want to ask the question to Dayton Ward uh, guy who, you know, may have a virtual office someplace at CBS. (laughs) You've been you've been off the leash, as you say, for the past however many years. And so you're able to go off and you're able to write and you're able to do and whatever, because there's there's never going to be another Picard anything, (laughs) (laughs) except now there's another Picard thing. As an author, do you know that something is coming from television and want to try to I don't want to say steer back towards that, but I will steer back towards that. Or are you like, okay, well, TV, TV and books are books and Mary the Twain shall meet. Well, it's a, it's a very complicated question to answer. Okay, well, well, this is for um, the author. This is not for the CBS dude. <laughs> oh, as an author, whenever, I mean, as an author, especially as an author of tie-in books, books that feed into television shows and movies and things like that, we all know that at some point the dog is going to wag and we are the tail. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they are the ones who set the tone. They are the ones who set the course of direction. And it, you may have, you may be familiar with what happened you know, when Disney acquired Star Wars and they just, you know, 
just welcomed all those novels and comics into their pantheon willingly with all the characters. That, I'm sorry, I forgot. Wrong, wrong memo. No, they, <laughs> they reclassified everything as legends in quotes. And so right. all those novels and all those comics and everything that had been spun out for over the course of decades were rendered as, you know, uh, apocryphal. Right. Um, some segments of Star Wars fandom did not take well to that news. Um, but as a tie-in writer, it's, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the course of business. I mean, it's, it's, I've had stuff overwritten multiple times over the course of years because when I started writing this, you know, enterprise was not even a thing. Uh, and we've already been through that and we've been through a couple of movies and we've been through discovery, which has, you know, started filling in the blanks of, the, the, the pre-original series mythology. So we've all done this dance before. Um, Picard coming along is just another flavor of that. And now, uh, same question to the CBS guy, Dayton Ward. <laughs> it's, it's the same answer, really. I mean, um, Mal, one of the reasons that I, one of the things that I'm getting to do with this is work with licensing partners like Simon and Schuster and IDW and a couple of other folks who have narrative driven tie-ins and we're discussing how to integrate to, to the new paradigm, which is Picard, you know, Picard has come along and he's it's 20 years after nemesis. And there are things that are going on between nemesis and Picard that we have to account for. So uh, not everything has been revealed to the public yet. So you're not going to get it out of me tonight. Um, <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, it's a definite, it's definitely a question that's been raised. Uh, it was a question we were talking about a year ago, uh, even before the announcement at Vegas last year that the show was even coming. Um, it's been on my mind and it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And it's, it's, uh, as a fan of this stuff and a writer of this stuff, we want to do it right. And we want to do it well for the people who have been supporting us all these years, namely the readers. So uh, it's definitely a, it's definitely a challenge. Well, well, well oh, go ahead, Ken. Well, I was just going to say, um, you know, I know you've got questions, John. I, I'm yeah. crossed all mine off because he said he's not going to tell us. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> uh, ninjas, six, ninjas are right outside my door. So for, <laughs> for other people. See, I was taking bets earlier on whether they flew somebody out to, to sit there with you. But we can talk can about that another time if you want the to. Wall, so. There you go. Um, other people may have questions, too, is my point, John. So 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. Or if you're sitting there watching us on Facebook, there's all the information you need to, 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 to get on. And at the very least, talk to Earl for crying out loud. Um, because we'd love to have your questions and uh, maybe you can trip Dayton into saying something he's not supposed to say. Sorry to interrupt you, John, please go ahead. No, 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 no. I just wanted to go back to something that Dayton said about, uh, about doing it right, you know, and, and I think that's such a, a subjective thing. And I, I, I feel like uh, as a writer, you know, you've got sort of uh, a, a very firm presence in the professional world of Star Trek, but also a, a foot in the fan world of Star Trek. You're very active online, engaging with people who watch Star Trek, who read the books. You know, what does doing it right mean to you? Because there has to be a point where you say, OK, the artistic integrity, the story that I want to tell that's something that I feel passionate about. It's a story that I, that I need to tell about these characters that I love. Meanwhile, you've got probably no shortage of people who want to tell you <laughs> what doing Star Trek right is. Oh, yeah. Uh, and believe me, I've already gotten my share of it. 
Um, <laughs> no, sure I mean, you, you know, I mean, that's the thing is that's what's, that's what's great about Star Trek fans in general and, and fans and followers of, of things like the novels in particular is, is they are very passionate and, uh, very vocal with that passion. And, you know, as with any group, the majority of the people we interact with are, are fans and supporters of us. And we want to do right by them. When I say do right by them, uh, we definitely do not want to do something like was done with star Wars, where we just say, you know what? We quit. We're going to start on a new, we're not, we're going to, you know, those are done. We're just going to change lanes. And now we're, we're now we're going to do this. Um, We have been discussing how to, you know, do that, bring the novels and the comics and things like that in line with what we can, what I'm calling, you know, the new paradigm, you know, the new reality, as you will. Um, it would be easy, it would be easy for, and less headache inducing to just simply say, we're changing lanes, changing, shifting gears, but there's no fun in that either. Um, and luckily we have been supported in this idea uh, and how we're going to proceed by the folks at licensing uh, and the folks at CBS global franchise management is what they call themselves now. Um, that's one of the things that we've been tasked to do is to come up with a way to move forward. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's a very complicated, a lot of balls in the air, a lot of plates spinning, whatever, whatever, you know, analogy you care to make, but, um, it's definitely not, Oh, well, we're done. Screw it. See, what's right. interesting to me is I know John said earlier that he would be the one to say the C word. I'll go ahead and do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we talked about your online memes earlier. People may especially know you uh, for the ones the Dayton doesn't care about Canon memes. Um, I haven't seen your business card, but you're kind of keeper of the Canon now, right? <laughs> Not really. No, no. Like, I mean, I'm, I, when I say that, I say, I, I remember, and it's specific. I don't care about Canon arguments. Oh, oh, uh, I do okay. care about the canon. I do care about about the canon. And, and when we do write these novels and, and these other stories, we are always conscious of where they fit into the canon. Even if the canon is saying they don't count, you know, these are not these are not canonical stories. Like my novels are not part of the canon. Um, sure, right. But we are consistent as much as possible with the canon as we know it to be at the time of writing that story. Now, whether they choose to change, you know, do something that invalidates that or supersedes it or whatever you want to, whatever word you want to use, that's their call. It's, you know, it's their sandbox. It's their toy box and their toys. They get to make those calls. And again, as a tie-in writer, that's just, I knew the job was dangerous when I took it. Uh, that's just a fact of life. See, I, now, I like the word consistency so much more than I like the word canon. Well, I mean, that's sort of thing. It seems to me that canon and continuity get used interchangeably when they're really not. Mm. Uh, you know, like somebody was talking the other day about how, you know, the newer shows don't adhere to the visual canon. I'm like, well, there's no, really no such thing as the visual canon. There's visual continuity. And they've admitted, it's like they told you that before the show even premiered, that they were going to do a visual reboot, you know, to kind of update things for the modern day. Uh, but the canon, the stories, the the the, the mythology, that's what's being held to. That's what's being observed. I mean, uh, you might not agree with the interpretation, but they do make great strides to stay consistent with the mythology, the story itself. Right. The fact that it's an updated, you know, production design and, and fancier special effects, that's just packaging. But the stories are consistent. At least they endeavor to be. Sure. 
Hey, it's so uh, interesting because nobody ever argues that, like, man, Superman's not nearly as doughy as he used to be. He's not <laughs> Superman anymore. He doesn't you have know? black shoe polish in his hair. It's right. his gray. Yeah. What is this? Like five colors, six <laughs> colors? No, no, this isn't. This is ridiculous. How does uh, how does Super Pup fit into? Uh, <laughs> I, pretty, I, I was watching uh, a trailer for yeah, Super Pup. You you know about that? Uh, no, I know I know Crypto the Wonder Dog. That was oh Super no no Boy's no. Dog. There was a spinoff of the George Reeves show that that yeah. died died mercifully at the pilot stage. It's yeah, Super Pup. Yeah. It's terrifying. Wow. It, it will it, it'll haunt your nightmares uh, yeah. just if you watch the opening. Yeah, that's the well, kind no, of thing. I, I, yeah, that's the kind of thing I put on the TV after a dinner party when I want people to leave and not even bother <laughs> to say goodbye. <laughs> just, just I so want to see the opening of that show though. Is he rocketed as a puppy from Krypton? I, I think mean, basically because... they just replaced the word man with pup in all yes. the dialogue and they reused, oh, nice. uh, they reused a lot of the establishing shots. And I think they used, they were even going to use the same sets as yep. the George Reeves show. I think if I'm right. Yeah, you're same. right. And it's literally like a dude in the Superman costume <laughs> with a dog, uh, head, like, uh, like you'd find in a theme park. Right. I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. Like a high this school is... mascot, you know, yeah. this, is, yeah. like this is not what this show is about, but seriously, it DC is, is trying so hard. Well, no, DC is trying so hard to catch the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Dude, this is it right here. Remember how <laughs> stupid you thought Guardians of the Galaxy sounded when you heard about it and ended up being amazing? Super Pup 2022. We'll get Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon. We'll get them both. <laughs> wow. Can't wait I think to see Snyder snug for that. This is Zack Snyder for that. Fantastic. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or join us through Facebook. Uh, that is what Kim has done. Kim, I believe, has a question. Good evening, Kim. Well, hey, guys. It's great to be back. Hey, hey how are you? Ya. Welcome. Uh, I'm good. And... And the last time, um, I think when Dayton was on, I think, John, you asked me if I had listened or had read any of Dayton's books. And and I had no answer for you, but I actually had. There's about several. And since then, I've actually done, gone through the Vanguard series, which is actually incredible, by the way. And it should be canon. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. On behalf of David Mack and Kevin Dillmore and editor Marco Palmieri, I will thank you for that. That's very kind words. Do me a favor. If you can give us, give us a, for people who haven't read them, uh, Dayton, can you remind people like a 10 second synopsis or a 20 second synopsis what the Vanguard series is? It's a spinoff of the original series. So it's set in the 23rd century and it's concurrent with the five-year mission with a different crew and a different cast of characters on a space station in contested space. And a big wow. mystery. Starbase okay. 47. It's very serialized. You have to read all of the of the. It's the seven novels and, and a collection of novellas, and they all tell a serialized story that runs concurrent with the five year mission and weaves in and out of those episodes and 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 the things that we learn over the course of the original series. Very cool. So, uh, so Kim, what what is your uh, what's your question or thought this evening? Uh, well, I I have to just it's a just a comment that uh, for Dayton that uh, the next gen series that you've done recently has been awesome. And I haven't picked up on uh, David Mack's piece where Picard, without any spoilers, with the stuff with Section 31 and the whole president, you know, taking out thing of the Federation. But uh, those were very excellent. So I just wanted to tell you that excellent job. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate that. Anything else on your mind tonight, Kim? Uh, no, 
Great job, guys. Glad to be on. Thanks Thank again. You. Thank you very much for calling in. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure. And give us a call back. Absolutely. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or uh, join us through Facebook, facebook.com slash mission log pod. Of course, if you're hearing me say this right now, then you know that. And if you're not hearing me say this right now, we have just opened up a paradox in time. Uh, Dayton Ward is our guest. We will get back to Dayton in just a moment. But first, John, I believe uh, I believe we've got a little bit of business that we like to do about this time every week. I do have a little bit of business. Uh, first of all, in the chat room tonight, uh, Scott Palm, as he usually is on Tuesday night, saying hello to folks. And, and I just saw my friend James join into the chat room uh, watching the show. Uh, he is somebody who early on donated to the Scott Palm heroic fundraiser that we've been doing for the last few months. So thank you to James and uh, everybody can say hi to Scott. Now Scott will say hi back to you. Now, Last week, I mentioned how absolutely thrilled we were that Women at Warp raised $500 at STLV, uh, of course, to be matched by the Roddenberry Foundation. So that 500 becomes a thousand bucks for our uh, fundraiser for Scott. This week, I want to give a huge shout out to Bruce, who just the other day donated $250 and left the lovely message. Everyone needs a friend. And Bruce, thank you so much. Your 250 becomes 500 bucks. Now, you've heard us talk about it before, and you know that we'll be talking about it until we wrap things up a little later in the year. Uh, Our fundraiser for Scott Palm and the heroic curriculum continues. Now, that is a curriculum with two goals. The first of which is teaching children with serious physical disabilities, values like resilience, healthy identity, breaking barriers, and other crucial mental health and life skills. The other part of that curriculum is teaching the peers of those children with disabilities values like inclusion, ending marginalization, and being an ally. I said we're going to run it for just a few more months. We're coming up uh, sooner than you think on October. That is Bullying Prevention Month, and it also happens to be Cerebral Palsy Month. So we reach our first goal, and we are so close. I'll tell you at the end of this how close we are. Scott's program can start and then run for a full six months. Now, this is great work. It is not the easiest work due to Scott's cerebral palsy, which is why the Roddenberry Foundation is joining with you to help Scott help the world. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash mission log pod. You'll see a link to the fundraiser there. Every dollar, as I said, will be matched by the Roddenberry Foundation. You'll be contributing to something that truly embraces the values of Star Trek put into action. And remember, the Roddenberry Foundation doubles your donation. Facebook.com slash Mission Log Pod, Twitter.com slash Mission Log Pod as well. Look for the post, make a donation. Even if you can't give a donation today, just share the post. It will help so much. We really appreciate it. And you might help make the world a better place. Now, I told you, Ken, that I was going to let people know how close we are. Our original goal is $6,025. And remember, that gets matched by the Roddenberry Foundation. We're about $1,600 away from that goal. Um, I, I'm really, I'm so thrilled. I'm so pleased that we're getting that close. And uh, every dollar, every little bit is going to push us closer and closer to get us over that goal. Hopefully we surpass it. That would be my dream is if we get past that original goal and we get Scott out there doing the work that, uh, that he needs to do. So again, facebook.com slash mission log pod, twitter.com slash mission log pod, share it over and over and over again. And if you can donate, please donate. 
669-900-6833 is the phone number to call, 669-900-6833, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or if you're sitting in front of a computer and that computer happens to be pointed towards Facebook and that Facebook happens to be pointed towards this show's Facebook page, well, then all the information needs right there. Just uh, click the link, use the meeting ID, you get to talk to Earl, and then uh, he'll put you on with us. And our guest, Dayton Ward, who uh, who is both a Star Trek novelist and now a guy who works on Star Trek for CB- CBS. I'm sure John and I have more questions for him in a moment. But first, uh, we do have somebody who's picked up the phone, giving us a little jingle, jangle, jingle. <laughs> it's uh, Craig. Good evening, Craig. What's on your mind tonight? Yes, good evening. I want to thank you for last week's The Shabam. I've listened to every episode. Fun, intelligent, enlightening. Yeah, you oh learn things. You guys were right, right on. Excellent. Oh, thank you thank very you. much. That. Yeah, that's that's so cool. Yeah. We will pass that along. And uh, as far as the uh, you know volunteering, I've done it uh, for twenty years for uh, the local uh, historical society here, um, doing events planning because I, I work with events and stuff. Now I'm doing a uh, thespian stuff. I'm acting and uh, all money goes, you know, right to the foundation. So it's wonderful to do that what you guys are doing. And uh, I just want to encourage everyone to, to volunteer because it really does makes a difference in the community. I'm, are you, is, I'm, I'm curious, are you responding there to uh, the, the most recent episode of mission log or are you responding to uh, the stuff yeah. uh, with Scott? Oh, okay. Okay. Cause we've got, yeah, well, well, actually, actually, bo- actually both, actually both. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, your discussion about volunteering, it, it, it helps both ways knowing that you have given as going to a good source. And for me, it's, it's very rewarding. Well, I can I can tell you for me personally, um, because I work so much, I, I, I talk a lot about a lot of stuff and I'm honestly uh touched uh, that that you're that you're out there doing stuff like that. And if, if if either John or I had any small part in helping you find that, that's kind of awesome. So thanks for letting us know cool. because otherwise we wouldn't and uh you know, we'd just still be here talking. It's amazing. Absolutely. That, that's another thing. Me telling you or the people there that come to me and say, hey, thank you. In fact, I was at a store and a person had recognized me and said, hey, didn't you do that thing for this? Yeah. You know, you, so people recognize me around the community because I try to keep it all local because then that way the money goes right to, you know, the local organization that, that I like to help out here. So, Anything else? Um, on, go and, ahead. Any, go ahead. Yeah, just one last thing. Yeah, I, again, I can't get over Shabam. It's just wonderful. The whole the whole podcast network, and then Shabam and every episode. And I can't wait for the next one. Can't wait to see what goes on. And uh, thank you very much. Gentlemen. Awesome, man. You have a thank great you. night. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. I really appreciate you it. Thank you. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or uh, click all the stuff that's on the Facebook page, and just click every. You'll be on with us. Just click it all. Just click, click. it all. Uh, yeah. Probably you're not going to buy anything. Probably you're not going to accidentally support some cause about which you really don't care. No, but you might end up with one of Dayton's memes. You don't know. You could. You could. Yeah. You could end up with all. Of Dayton's names. Uh, yeah. John, do you want to welcome our next caller onto the line? Oh, I'd love to. Cooley? John Cooley, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Ken. Hey, John. There hey, he John. is. Hey, John. Hey, Dayton. There you hey, go. Guys, there's some John. <laughs> so I have questions for Dayton. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm super excited about 
um, like Dayton's new ascended status. And I want to know more about it. Like, you know, how far does your juice run and does it go in both directions? Can you suggest stuff upstream to production, downstream to licensees and publishers? Like, are you Dave Filoni for Star Trek now, man? No, I'm nowhere, say near, yes. I'm, I'm nowhere near Dave Filoni status. <laughs> In fact, that's a good uh, way to just clarify this for all time because that way people don't get Damn. the wrong idea that I'm somehow, you know, usurping somebody's authority somewhere up the chain. Um, I am a consultant. <laughs> in every sense of the term in terms of how it is not an employee. <laughs> um, I, am, I am a contracted consultant and I work from, um, you probably heard the name John Van Zitters. He is, uh, he works for CBS global franchise management and he has tapped me to help him with various tasks. And uh, most of what I do is working with him to coordinate with licensing partners like Simon and Schuster and IDW publishing and, a couple of the folks that do games and other narrative storytelling devices or platforms. And what I do is I help them with any of their projects that are tying into the new show. So right now it's discovery and Picard. Um, and so in that capacity, I read all the scripts for the new shows and I work with the licensing partners to do, for example, Simon and Schuster has a prequel novel in the works that's going to tie into Picard and IDW has a, prequel comic that they're doing that will tie into the show. So I'm helping coordinate to make sure that they don't step on each other. Uh, they, they are, they uh, complement each other and they don't run afoul of anything the show is doing. And also by reading the scripts for the shows, I can identify potential opportunities for these licensing partners. Say, hey, this is a plot line. That word, but it's a great idea for a novel or a comic or a game scenario or something to that effect. Now, as far as suggesting or an universe manual, manual or whatever, whatever, but, um, or, or an audio drama or any, anything that, you know, uh, anything stuff for the website, whatever I come up right, with. Just, so, you, so you have no need for the secondhand cowboy hat that I bought you this weekend. Okay. No, that's okay. I get it. Um, so <laughs> I do not, I do not, I do not consult to the shows themselves. I don't offer any insight about their scripts. I don't, I don't tell them anything that I found wrong in their scripts. That's, <laughs> that's not my job. No, but, um, but to clarify, I do it. This does make me curious though, by working with, you know, scripts and production and Simon and Schuster and other publishers on IDW. Does that mean that ironically you now have to keep track of canon throughout the whole universe yes <laughs> i am basically I love it i am basically the box the, 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 the black box in spock's brain the controller <laughs> i'm the controller that's kind of what i that's my new uh, that's in fact that's going to be on my driver's license photo from now on um, <laughs> that's awesome i can't think of a better man for the job that's rad there's a lot of star trek going across my desk <laughs> these days it's almost drug inducing let me ask you a question. Does that kill it for you? And I mean, not really, but I mean, in an email exchange that we had earlier this week, you're like, yeah, I'm suitably spoiled for everything now. I mean, is there, is there a part of you that's like, oh, there's a little bit of me, you know, there's a little bit that's that I look at it as I'm spoiled on it. But on the other hand, I know all the stuff, you know, that uh, kind of thing. So there's yeah. a little bit of that too. Now seeing it on the page versus seeing the finished product on the screen are two different things. So sure. uh, I try to look at it that way. It's like, okay, I, I get us. I get, I mean, I, there'll be no surprises. I'll, I'll know what's going to happen, but that doesn't diminish seeing it on the screen as a finished episode or a film. That's well, there's a, 
there's a certain aspect of being able to share in the delight of revealing it to other people though. I mean, like the, the Picard announcement, you know, um, I knew a beat, I mean, literally just a beat, not significantly a long time ahead, but I knew about a beat before the announcement happened that Mm -hmm. the announcement was coming and I wasn't watching Sir Patrick, uh, Sir Patrick up on the stage. I was able to turn around and watch 6,000 people lose their mind. Right. Yeah, that's in that the audience, fun. and that was satisfying. So you yep. get that experience. I, I get think. that. I got to watch the Comic Con trailer drop, and I knew what was going to happen, and I knew how people were going to go come unglued, um, and how <laughs> yeah. they were able how they were able to keep the secret of who was being cast. You know, was I I was keeping my fingers crossed for weeks that this would hold until they dropped the trailer, uh, and then that was just a glorious glorious day. You know to watch that unfold because people, people were just genuinely in a fun way, losing their minds over it. They were having a ball with that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I would think it's kind of like going from, well, I would think it's kind of like going from being a kid on Christmas morning to being Santa Claus. And well, you more know, like, okay. One, you, of, one of Santa's helpers. <laughs> well, yeah. One of Santa's helpers. No, but it's that idea that you get to see their faces as the present is unwrapped. It has both good. And, I mean, it's funny stories. Like, I, for the first year of Discovery, I was completely spoiled the entire season. I knew exactly what was going to happen every week. And every week we watched the show. And I had told my wife, you know, she knew that I was doing this, but I asked her, do you want to know? No, I don't want to know. I want to watch the show and, and see it as it happens. I said, okay. And then after every episode stream, she would look at me as the credits rolled and she goes, you knew you're, that was going to happen, right? Yes, I did. Why didn't you tell me? Because <laughs> you asked me not to. So... Excellent. Oh, that's rad. Hey, well, I, mean, it's, John, I don't want to ruin anybody's fun. Like I, don't want to, I don't want to ruin your fun. I want you to have fun with it on your own terms. <laughs> yeah. Do you John, need an th- th- Thanks so much for calling in, man. <laughs> thanks. Bye. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll see you next time, okay? Hey, I wanted, I wanted to Do jump to uh, some questions here in the chat. Uh, David says, uh, question for Dayton. What is your process for creating something like the Vulcan Travel Guide? Do you find things in the shows or how much of it is logically see what I did there made up uh, the, you know, the shows and the films are the obvious starting point. They are the source material. So we start there. And then once those two pages are filled <laughs> with everything that we know about Vulcan destinations, um, then I go to other sources of material. And in this case, I was allowed a lot of latitude. They, you know, they said, draw from whatever you want. Just make it fun. Don't make it a dry, boring reference book. Don't make it a role playing game supplement book. Make it, a travel guide in the true sense of the word. You want it to be just like something someone would buy when they were going on vacation. So that's how I approached it. And then once I got past the various secondary sources, so, you know, so there's some novel references in there. There's references from some of the older games uh, and other little Easter eggs. Then I had to make up the rest of it. And so it was just a, it was a process of extrapolation based on what you think you might find on Vulcan. And then of course I threw in a few things that are kind of left, you know, curveballs. Things you might not expect to find on Vulcan, but there it is. It was a lot of fun. They let me ha- they let me run pretty wild with it. Nice. Uh, and then a follow up question here was uh, anything with Star Trek Online, and, and I think maybe the question is like, uh, does Star Trek Online and the the plots that are weaved there uh, get tied into anything else in the uh, kind of this expanded Trek universe? Uh, you mean, is there like a crossover element somewhere? Like yeah. Between the, there's a, there is, I know that Pocketbooks did a novel that when Star Trek Online first debuted. It came out close to that time frame. That was sort of a setup 
backstory book for the online storyline. There hasn't been anything since. Not that we haven't talked about it. I mean, every once in a while, I've I've run into the guys at uh, from STO or Cryptic at Vegas, and we've we've talked about the possibility of doing some sort of cross promotional event, but it, it just never the planets just never aligned. Finally, I got one more here from uh, Paul, and I remember seeing this when you posted it. Uh, so Paul has this follow up said, I would like to hear Dayton talk more about this post of his when you casually suggest to an Star <laughs> Trek and a defender that the cage represents the only true original Star Trek timeline and literally everything else that came after is some form of deviation or alternate reality because elements of that original plot pilot were altered <laughs> in order to fit the storyline for the menagerie you have to understand that things like that you have your hobbies <laughs> and i have my hobbies and one of one of my hobbies is laying out little grenades like that and just seeing what happens <laughs> <laughs> so what happened dayton uh, it's yeah. just, uh it was one of those things we were joking about and it's not and i'm i can't claim credit for originating that idea. I know I heard it someplace else, but I can't for the life of me remember who said it or where I read it or whatever, but it's fun to throw those kinds of things into the middle of an ongoing canon argument and just see how many people pump the brakes. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I, I gotta, you know, I like playing on social media and I like having fun with people who get that. It's just meant to be lighthearted and fun. And we're just having a good time enjoying something that we both like that we all like. And then every once in a while, somebody takes a little too seriously and I derive another level of enjoyment from that. And it's a character flaw. I admit it. <laughs> nice. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one top from your smartphone. Or uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, click the stuff there. All of the stuff John has suggested. I don't know that it's the best idea, but, you know, John's a smart guy. Uh, the uh, the uh, meeting information, the meeting code and all that are right there. And so that'll get you very quickly on to talk with uh, talk with us and our guest, Dayton Ward. So I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I won't say that I'm daydreaming, but I'm looking across at my bookshelf, which is directly behind this camera. And uh, there is my copy of Star Trek Adventures, the role playing game. I'm curious, can I ask let me ask you a few questions, because you wrote the original adventures for Star Trek Adventures, did you not? I wrote a premise, I co-wrote a premise uh, with Scott Pearson and with some input from Jim Johnson, who's now their line editor. Um, we set up a premise for what they were calling their living campaign, okay. uh, which, which I understood at the time to be sort of an extended playtest of the rules and uh, various other moving parts within the game. And I, I, I'm explaining this as a person who does not create role-playing games. I don't have, I'm not involved in that. I just wrote the storyline. Uh, and then they used that to, then they had other writers create actual scenarios and, and uh, gameplay adventures themselves, the actual, you know, settings for we're going to do this on this mission. Uh, but all I did was provide a, an overarching storyline or I helped create an overarching storyline that would drive that campaign and let other people write adventures that tie into it. But then am, am I, did I mishear that you've actually written a couple of adventures since, or is that, is that a mistake on my part? I have not written any of the actual adventure scenarios. No. Oh, okay. Uh, I am going back to work with them on a couple of their source book expand their, their source book, rule books, whatever you call them, supplemental source books. Um, there's okay. a couple that they have in the works that they've asked me to, 
to pitch in on. So I'll be doing some work with that. In fact, I should be working on some of that stuff now, but I'm on the phone. Well, <laughs> if you have, if you have questions, I'm more than happy to help. <laughs> and you can write this hour off. You can actually bill for this hour. It's like, oh, oh, I already you know, did. Totally, I already we did. totally talked about that. In fact, we just did talk about that. So you're welcome, Dayton. You're Good. welcome. Hey, by the way, uh, Bill Bill points out in the chat here. TOS was required to be 25 percent different from the king. <laughs> So, I'm 25% uh, different than I was when I started this podcast. See, we, we all grew a little bit. We all, we all changed a little bit. We all stayed within CBS's legal requirements. <laughs> God. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or use the one tap from your smartphone. Or if you're on Facebook, do all the stuff right there on Facebook. I want to remind you really quickly about a bunch of other podcasts that we would love it if you listen to. Craig. Craig actually mentioned one of them earlier, but there are even more than Craig mentioned as well. Uh, what's on the Roddenberry Podcast Network, you ask? Well, of course, there's Mission Log from whence this show springs. Uh, Priority One, that is a podcast actually that uh, goes live every Tuesday, about two hours before we go live, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. They do their big, long recording, which they then uh, take and turn into a, 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 a tight about 45 minutes, maybe, uh, that comes out every Friday. Uh, kind of a magazine-style show about Star Trek stuff, so you will want to check that out. Women at Warp, of course, is a, a look at Star Trek through a feminist lens, or is it a look at feminism through a Star Trek lens? Listen in. Find out for yourself. Uh, the Trek Files, of course. Uh, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek, diving uh, deep into the Roddenberry archives, pulling out a letter every now and then and going, well, this looks like something interesting. Maybe we can get 15 minutes out of that because that's about what it is. It's about 15 minutes, but it seriously is a, a historical dive into the stuff that Roddenberry, sometimes things that he was pitching, sometimes stuff that he was going through with studios and things like that and putting it in the historical context as well. You have to remember this was also happening. That's the kind of thing you're looking for for the track files. Uh, daily Star Trek News, it's right there in the title. It is Daily Star Trek News. Great way to start your day. Hosted by Allison Pitt, formerly of Priority One. And finally, as Craig mentioned earlier, Shabam. Do you want to be entertained? Do you want to learn something along the way? Oh, sure, you could watch Star Trek, but you could watch Star Trek and listen to Shabam. So there's everything. And um, as more stuff comes, there's one place that will land, podcast.roddenberry.com. That is the website that will keep you up to date on the latest of all of those shows and anything new that comes down the pike. Pike? Podcast.roddenberry.com. Uh, and uh, it'd be great if you check that out. Hey, as we kind of come toward the, the last little bit of the show here, and, you know, we've been talking to Dayton about uh, his writing work. We've been talking about uh, his new gig, consulting with CBS. And, you know, that led me to think, I, I mean, Dayton, this is huge for you. you. You were describing this in an email, talking about how you're in this global franchise management, uh, consulting with them. And that means... Uh, you know, tying in new Trek as that comes out. Uh, uh, also, you have a foot in sort of legacy Star Trek as new ideas get developed there, novels and, and everything else. Um, and then you said other Trek gigs crop up. Like you even wrote the museum text for the Picard display that was up at Comic-Con and at uh, STLV. I don't know. I read that very text and, and I didn't realize that, that those were your words that you'd written to go along with all that stuff. And I guess what I need to ask is, you know, as somebody who's a Star Trek fan and uh, and has committed so much of your life to Star Trek, why would you work for the corporation that's trying to kill Star Trek? Every <laughs> you know, oh, man, um, well, actually, they, I they pay pretty well. They do. Well, 
they're, they're still paying you, even though they're killing uh, killing Star Trek. I yeah, I I've been asked that question, but not nicely, not nearly as nicely as you just did. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you kind of hit on it already. I'm a lifelong fan. I've been a fan yeah. as long as I can remember. Uh, I grew up with this stuff, and I am very protective of. The brand. I mean, it's uh, it's important. I mean, it sounds corny, but I consider myself something of an ambassador for the brand. So uh, I want to do right by it. And I'm very protective of stuff like the novels and the comics and, and these these expanded universe products, because I grew up enjoying them. Uh, and now I get to call a lot of those people who wrote that stuff when I was a kid or a younger adult. They're friends now. They're friends and colleagues and coworkers now. So uh, I want to do right by them, too. And uh, I don't know. It's just it's a dream gig. It really is. I have no aspirations of writing in Hollywood. I have no desire or goal of writing in Hollywood, but I'm pretty comfortable working with this material. Uh, so that's my job to do it right. Do right by the people who buy it and support it. I, I think what? that's oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask specifically about the, uh, about the Picard exhibit. What went into putting that together? Because I was talking to um, somebody recently. Um, well, actually, uh, as I was getting ready to uh, talk to you, um, over the past day or so, and somebody who said that they saw the Picard exhibit in person and they've seen it online and they really feel like it presented maybe even better online than it did in person. I'm curious, as you're putting all that stuff together, are you thinking to yourself, okay, well, this isn't just for the people in the room, or are you thinking, well, this is just for the people in the room and I hope it carries, you know, elsewhere? Like, there are so many different things that you're into. I'm curious about each different process, but what was the process behind that one? Well, um, to be on, and to be fair, you know, writing the copy that goes with those exhibit items is, was probably the easiest job of putting that thing together. And that's the part I did. There were okay. other people involved. Like John Van Sitter's headed that effort. And he's the one who oversaw the selection of the items to be included in the exhibit and getting them transported and figuring out how it was going to go together in that gallery in San Diego and then transporting it all to Las Vegas and figuring out an alternative means of presenting it, you know, with the, within the limitations of the rooms that they had to work with. Um, so by and large, my, my contribution was pretty small. Um, looking at it though, I, I did view it first as a museum exhibit that you interacted with physically, uh, basing it on museums that I visited and I volunteer time at a museum here in Kansas city. So I took some pointers from, from how those, items are displayed and arranged and, and how they flow, you know, together to form a narrative of sorts. So I did that. And then not, I didn't really realize just how well it played online until I started seeing people's flicker streams or, you know, their, their photo galleries that they were sharing online. And I'm like, wow, this really hangs together pretty well. Damn, I did. Okay. Uh, as far as the stuff that's on the copy, you know, all that stuff that, that threw people into a tizzy with the dates and little factoids about what happened to Picard between the movies and the show. Yeah, that was my fault. Uh, yeah. I was, I know I was actually with somebody who was like, no, no, every one of these, they're trying to, they're, they're definitely trying to indicate to us that, you know, this is going to happen and this is going to be an important part of the show. And I was like, you're, you're like worse than there's a Pruder film. I mean, it's just, I mean, well, just the, the level of attention that they were paying to every single not quite down to topography. There are a number of amusing stories that went into specific items that are either in the exhibit or had to be pulled back from the exhibit for whatever reason. Like they didn't, it, we knew it wouldn't, we knew it wouldn't fly. We knew somebody would look at it and go, nope, 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 nope. That's not right. Well, uh, I've only got about three minutes left. Why don't you tell us about one of those in detail? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> 
but they were also amusing. You know, like we, we got an item and we're like, this is a really gorgeous piece, but it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's in terms of dates engraved on it. And so we, John Van Sitters and I literally retconned an explanation to make it make sense. <laughs> and that went into the copy. And uh, it wasn't until that day, though, when people started reacting to what they were reading on those little cards that I started worrying that maybe I had inadvertently provided a spoiler to the show. And so I texted John and I said, did, I, did we screw up? Did I mean, I just assumed that when I wrote all this crap, 14 people would review it and approve it or give it the big thumbs up or thumbs down. And you're telling me it pretty much flew. And he was like, ah, I made a call <laughs> or something to that effect. You're off the hook. I'm like, okay, I'm just the lowest guy on the rung, but the easy, the most easily executed, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I panicked for a few minutes that first day when the gallery opened and people started freaking out about certain factoids that are in those cards. Uh, but it was fun to watch and it, it, apparently it went over very well. I, I wish I had uh, gotten to see it, but I did get to experience it online thanks to people and their photos and video. So. I just, uh, I just was very fixated on, I, I love that the Captain Picard Day banner was there, but I, I was more fixated on the, the new awards that kind of filled that gap. And right. there was one that was like, uh, and then he got the nice guy award or <laughs> yeah. something. It was something like that. He was like, he's, he's swell and right. we don't like him. So we're going to give him an acrylic plaque. There were a couple of them that I had fun with. Like, I think I had fun with the Horgon. I, I, that's one of the few that I remember sliding a, at least some humor into the copy. Yeah, that, that sounds more personal. Yeah. Most of it, I know, but most of it, most <laughs> of it, I tried to play straight. Most of it, I tried to play like it was a real deal because that was the, the the idea was that you were inside the box. This was a real exhibit you could see in the 24th century if you were wandering around a museum somewhere. Sure. Uh, yeah. So it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a it was a it was an interesting little side gig that I had to do in in a ridiculously short amount of time while on vacation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, you are tied into so much stuff right now. I don't even know what the best thing to suggest people uh, would be. I mean, obviously, if people want to keep up with your memes, there's a place to you know do that online. And then, of course, everything else. Um, you've got three places that you can send people. Uh, you don't have to send them to all three. But uh, for people who want to follow more of what Dayton Ward is doing, uh, they go where? I would start with my website, DaytonWard.com. And that's essentially a landing page for one-stop internet banality that I can direct people to. So there's a link to my Facebook profile and my Twitter handle and my Instagram and various pages with different publishers that I, that I, that are maintained for me. Uh, but yeah, it's, it all starts on my website, datenmore.com. And the latest book I've actually seen on the shelves. So he's not just making up this book stuff, people. Available Light is, uh, is the name of the latest book. If you happen to know where there are still bookstores and find yourself wandering into one, uh, go to the science fiction section. Available Light by Dayton Ward uh, would be a book to check out. Uh, Dayton, thank you very much for, uh, uh, well, I'm going to thank you. And then John's probably going to thank you. And then he's going to tell people a bunch of other stuff. But thanks a lot. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. And Dayton, I'll say thank you, but I'll also sign off with this. Kimberly uh, says, Dayton, thank you and David Mack and David George and others for caring about the continuity with the novels and Picard. It's nice to see, a, uh, nice as a fan to feel like everything we've invested in over the years won't just be tossed aside, even if things don't line up always neatly. Also, I loved Available Light. Picard's characterization was so well done. 
So I just thought I'd share that with you. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you to everybody who has been watching tonight. And thank you to our guest, Dayton Ward. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log and Mission Log Live, but Women at Warp, Priority One, The Trek Files, your daily Star Trek news, and Shabam. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later. We'll talk to you again next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.